Lucky you. 36 best holes in golf. Alternate Shots Podcast. Barney's Army. Where we talk about golf. Sandy. Poker. James Bond. Horse racing. Double. Classic movies. Zenyatta. We have no script. Down the stretch they come. We are glad you joined us. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. (laughs) So, Billy Regan, we are skipping a beat here off the golf course, away from the horses. We are not talking about classic movies today, Billy. What are we talking about? Poker. Poker, poker, poker. We're talking about poker. Everybody's got to get excited. And our special guest today is semi-professional poker player, Sean Quillen. Welcome to the program, Sean. Thank you, Bob. Looking forward to talking with you. I'd like you to think I was in Las Vegas on a, you know, some sort of helicopter right now. I'm not in Las Vegas, but Billy, tell everybody where you're at today. I'm at the Mohegan Sun, or <laughs> I'm here to play a little poker, a little video poker. Might get a little crazy with the Wheel of Fortune machine, but mostly to learn something from our guest here, Sean, who's a way higher level player than we are, in my opinion. And uh, my opinion's always right, so don't (laughs) argue with me. Let's take a look at this first hand right here. This is the World Series of Poker event uh, about 18 years ago. Very first hand. You ever played with Sammy Farha, Sean? I have not played with him. I've been in the same room with him on multiple occasions, but we've not been at the same table. Fearful poker player, without question. Yes, indeed. Always has For anybody thinking out. about taking up the game, this will discourage them. Yeah, yeah. He is among the top fearful poker players of the last three decades, anyway. And and he's and he's a tournament player, but he's also a high stakes cash game player. Indeed, I don't think he's in the World Series of Poker Hall of Fame at this point, but I expect him to be in there. I expect this hand is involved. So are you a cash game player, a tournament player, Sean, primarily? What is your... I am primarily a tournament player. Um, I like the thrill of the competition um, more so than than uh, making a, a little bit of money. So uh, the tournament really suits my game and uh, my overall desire much better than cash games. Of course, I will play cash uh, in between tournaments or early in the morning or late at night if I get knocked out of a tournament. But uh, my primary focus certainly is uh, is Texas No Limit tournaments. Just put us in the 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 main event hall, since I've never been to the World Series of Poker. Put us into that hall, if you will. Sure, um, it's it's a monstrous room, typically on the order of five to seven hundred poker tables in one monstrous convention center, with people uh, filling each table up. You hear the 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 constant riffle of chips, this sound that people make when they put the clash of the chips together and they do it constantly, they do it many different ways. You hear people who are upset, people who are excited. Um, certainly at the main event, you know, there's definitely a palpable thrill in the air where um, you know, it's a lot of times there are people who have never played in the event before. You have people dressed in crazy apparel, you have people getting autographs, you have the TV. From all over the world, people you, know, you have various pros who ha- are being taped, um, and then um, there's poker. They have uh, they shuffle up and deal. Usually having a, a former champion or a celebrity who says a few words and then uh, kicks things off by shuffle up and deal, and then we're off. It's great. And uh, how many uh, World Series of Poker main events have you played in? I've played in three. 
Do you remember the first hand that you played? Did you play it or did you lay it down and just lay it down because you didn't want to go out in the first hand? Did you have any superstition <laughs> about that? I don't have a superstition about that. I'll play whatever is dealt to me. But uh, I am confident that in my first main event, which was 2012, I sat there a long time before playing any significant hands. I was nervous. I was excited. And I didn't want to make a mistake right away. So before we roll this video, you're seeing, seeing Oliver Hudson's uh, back is to us. You can see his hat and his hair, bushy hair. Sure. But uh, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's uh, son. <laughs> and you see he's got a pair of 10s. And the odds there are basically 70, 30, 69, 31. He's got a two to one favorite, right? He's got a big lead going into the flop. And he made a pretty good bet that many people might not have even called in the first hand, but Sammy Farhad did with ace 10. Ace 10 is not necessarily a strong starting hand in the first hand with 10,000 people playing at this event, right? It's exactly. a toss away. It's like, you know, how good is my hand now after a raise? Um, well, Sammy's a very good player and he knows when he's ahead and when he's behind. So he's willing to play more hands than a lot of amateurs would. Um, what I do see is that the uh, relatively inexperienced players playing a hand like ace 10 offsuit as this is. Um, and they play it, they overplay it because they see an ace and they think that's really good. But they're typically playing against people who have a better ace or or a pair, such as uh, the one that Sammy has at this point. I mean, Hudson has at this point. So um, you're right. It's it's not a great hand, but uh, again, Sammy can handle it. I think he was fairly confident that he could outplay his opponent after the flop here. I think that might have been based on the flop, of course, but I think that might have been why he called with a less than stellar hand. Yeah, um, it's a bit speculative to play this hand, but uh, I mean, he has up against, uh, you know, a, a definite amateur player here. So uh, it's not unreasonable. The, am the amateur knows he's up against Sammy Farha. So right. let's take a look at the flop. And he's going to call with his ace-10 offsuit. Oliver Hudson in the lead right now with his pocket 10s. The flop is ace, ace, 10. Both get full houses, but Sammy's got the nuts. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is Cooler. the very first hand of the main <laughs> event for both of these guys. Hudson has tens full. I mean, he can't get up. This is a disaster movie for him. Do you have any comment on the poker faces, the poker face of Farha particularly? His blood pressure, his eyes, hit, nothing moved. That's exactly right. It's not It's not exciting at all. Protein's going off in his head. Then he's listening to Hello, Dolly, and trying to keep <laughs> his blood pressure even. You don't see a darn thing. He didn't move. He didn't look at his chips. I know that your friend Negrano would say a tell is when you see a flop and people look at their chips. That usually right. means they hit the flop, right? Yes, indeed. They're trying to figure out how much money they can put in there because they think they're ahead. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's take a look at the rest of this because it's pretty exciting. Arha earns the check mark, but both players check. Both were slow playing it, and Mr. Hudson is in bad shape. He's got the tens full. He's not going anywhere. He oh, thinks he's trapping, right? For Hudson, but it's second best. He bets yeah, 300 he chips. Farha yeah, raises now to 1,300. That's a lot for this point of the tournament. Well, hand one. All in. And Hudson goes all in. And Farha calls immediately. <laughs> oh, my God. Very first hand of their main event. Sammy's got the nuts. And Oliver Hudson is in shock. I mean, for, oh, my God, he doesn't cover it. 
No doubt. Especially in the main event, you know, it's such an exciting time. You want to stick around. Everybody wants to cash or make it through the first day at least. Um, and to go out in the very first hand is is just no beautiful. one in the world can lay that hand down. Yeah, where his mistake, uh, you know, is his bet sizing, right? He went all in on, uh, on after the queen, and uh, there's no there's no reason to do that. Typically, when you go all in like that, your opponent's going to fold. They're only going to call you when you're beat. So uh, you, you would bet right. a small amount to try to, you know, slowly procure some money from your opponent, not go all in because you're super excited. Because they all think they've got the best hand with uh, trips, tens, and aces, right? Absolutely right. Tens full of Well, eights. that's what Farhai did with his bet. Yeah, he, he did it right. Yeah, he slow played the flop. This is poker. There's a million combinations of things that can happen to you. You haven't seen them all, and you've been playing poker for how long? I've been playing tournament poker since um, 2007. I, I drove from Charlotte, North Carolina, where I live, to um, just outside of Louisville, Kentucky, Evansville, Indiana, to play in a $5,000 buy-in World Series of Poker circuit event. It was the very first tournament I played in, and um, I literally was reading Harrington on Hold'em while I was driving, <laughs> reading a book while I was driving. Not even the audible. <laughs> Not the smartest thing, uh, but nonetheless, uh, I bought in for 5000 ended up taking uh, 12th in that tournament for about $12,000. Driving home, thinking to myself, I think I'm going to like this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Well, you know, it's like going to the horse track for the first time and you win the daily double. It's almost like the horse gods or the poker gods are messing with you. They're reeling yes. you in. That was your very first tournament. You almost tripled your money. You had a big smile on your face. You could remember all the guys you knocked out. And you figured, I got the world here. I did not expect it to go that well. In retrospect, it was it was poor money management to go up and spend $5,000 on this tournament. But uh, I had the time. I wanted to do it. And it was a what I thought might be just a once-in-a-lifetime experience, but uh, ended up becoming a thing for me, for sure. When you go into a 200-person tournament, are you like uh, Lucas Glover today? You think, boy, I think I can beat all these guys today. You know, he just won two tournaments in a row, right? Or Tiger in his prime. Do you, do you have that kind of confidence that that's uh, backed up by your expertise and your experience? Um, I'd like to think so. Um, like a lot of poker players, we probably – think we're better than we really are perhaps i've been fortunate and i'm not as good as i think i am but i i definitely work on my game um i i i'm a numbers guy i spend a lot of time on it so yeah i, I fully expect to win kind of my mantra is i'm the best player here if i don't let luck get in the way of me i'm going to win well johnny chan too when johnny chan got into a hand he always had the best of it and you like to go in with the best of it and you're not trying to draw out on somebody in an important yeah. hand yeah, when my money goes in, I, I, you know, I typically have the best hand. That's right. I, I, I know where I stand, and I'm willing to put the money in. But sometimes, um, you know, luck doesn't work in your favor. That's for sure. Take us through a tournament or a hand that you might recall. I would say a hand like pocket nines is a hand that is going to be ahead most of the time. A few people will call you with jack ten or you know a reasonable ace. Um, but typically, you know, you kind of know that you will have a good hand, but it's certainly not pocket aces or pocket kings or ace king suited. Um, and, and basically, you're hoping that the cards are low or you're hoping there's a nine. 
Um, and if so, you know, you'd love to have an ace and a nine on the flop because it's quite likely that you're up against top pair, a pair of aces while you have a set or three of a kind. And then it's just a matter of how can you milk that opponent for as much as possible? You know, you don't want to raise too, I mean, you don't want to bet too much. You don't want to bet too small. You want to put money in the pot, but just enough that it feels good for them to call. Uh, Do that on the flop. Oh, and then again on the turn. And then on the river, you want to make, get some value from your three of a kind or oh, perhaps even a full house by that point. And um, so value bets are the way that I make uh, my money. Typically, a lot of less experienced players and amateurs will they they think that big bluffs are the way to be uh, to win in poker and there definitely is a role for bluffing but it's not what everyone thinks that you know you're going to have a six and a four and you're going to beat someone who has a pocket king so it's just that just doesn't happen that often it's not it's not um, wise to consider that um, very often pairs are hard and and hold them poker right no doubt no doubt but uh yeah those those people they're gonna they're the ones who, who you're gonna stack early in the tournament because they're gonna overplay that pair of sixes or that the ace when when i have um, a set of nines um that's why people show up at tournaments relatively early because the easy money is still available after several hours in a tournament sometimes the easy money is already gone your strategy early on in a tournament is build a stack. Build a stack. Absolutely. You want to avoid confrontations uh, for all your chips if you can, but um, but you have to be willing to gamble to, uh, on occasion. But uh, if you're up against a standard table, by playing wise poker, you should be able to increase your chip stack steadily over each level. Well, early in the tournament, since the blinds are relatively low relative to your chip stack, um, you know, the number of big blinds that you have, you certainly can fold for a while if, if you like. But yeah, later in the tournament, when the, the number of big blinds at the average big blinds decreases, you know, yeah, you have to start playing hands. You have to be more aggressive, get involved in more pots, steal pots that don't belong to you in order to maintain or increase your chip stack. If you're waiting for pocket aces or pocket kings, you're going to slowly bleed. Why do you constantly hear nines trip up more than ever? other pairs why do you hear that i, I hear that a lot there's no science behind that but no you... of course not another one that i hear is <laughs> always comes a seven pocket sevens you know when they show up it's always a seven's always coming yeah of course there's there is no science to that but it is fun when it happens you know when somebody puts a stiff bet in front of me okay they ace king maybe they have kings maybe the aces and i look at my hand and i've got one of these two hands nine ten suited or even five, six suited, I'm willing to go in and call whatever that stiff bet is because I've learned over the years, those are the hands that break those big starting hands. Absolutely right. Yeah, those speculative hands, those suited connectors are the way to beat people in, in a cash game for sure. And, and in a tournament uh, to some degree as well. But you're exactly right. You know what they have. They don't know what you have. And so when the flop is, you know, seven, eight jack, you know, you, you're going to stack them. Have you ever been able to get away from those kings in a cash game like that? I I have not. <laughs> I've definitely paid off aces more times than I would like. Um, I've certainly folded ace-king, ace-king suited, 
Um, but pre-flop, no, I have yet to yet to fold kings. Tell us about folding ace king suit. Um, this actually <laughs> happened recently. I was playing a tournament out in Las Vegas at the Aria. Um, and it was we made it was like 450 players. We were at the at the final table of nine, and I had a middle to slightly below average stack. Maybe I was in like fifth or sixth place out of the nine. I mean a, a limp and then a raise and then a re-raise in front of me. I looked down at Ace King. Yeah, I'd be the I'd be the fourth person in the pot. I'm facing a raise and a re-raise. And they all had me covered. They all have more chips than I did. Clearly they these people wanted to play a big hand. So um I folded Ace King. When you say they had you covered, they had both people that had Bet raised had more you. chips than I did. They had more chips than you did. So what you're assuming is a professional poker player, they're going to get it in. Maybe the guy that first raised is going right. to get all in, and you're going to have to. So you're basically donking or throwing away your chips here if you call and then fold later on. Yeah, Ace King is a is a very good hand, no, no doubt. And there are times when I, um, I and others would would maybe go all in with that. There are times that. Um, that you might call just you know call because you have you know it's a reasonable hand but it just didn't just didn't feel right the people who were betting um were not particularly loose they you know, you, i could read that they had good hands so the first limper i fold that that limper folds the initial raiser um re-raised the then there was an all-in and then a call and they had aces and kings oh and i would have been gone and uh, I ended up winning that tournament. Um, and you have to be willing to fold good hands on occasion in order to withstand that. It's just it just didn't feel right. And I'd rather be the aggressor than the caller. Um, so uh, there are times when you when you should do that. Uh, though I haven't done that with kings, admittedly. Well, some people with the hand that you had might have gone all in right there and then, and you're going to get stuck because you're going to get called from at least one, if not both, of those players. And uh, yes, and I've made that mistake before, or maybe not even a mistake, but uh, certainly that play has happened where I, I called and or went all in with aces. I mean, ace king and uh, end up running into aces, but uh, not that time. Worked out all right. I think um, I ended up winning first place was around 50,000. So that's nice. When you said you figured out those guys had something, was it merely from the lack of play that they had prior or did you see something visually on them that you picked up as a tell no i don't give myself that credit it was the type of players they were and what i've seen from that had seen from them over the previous couple of hours of play um the re-raiser uh put in the three bet um had been relatively stoic and quiet um, went in with good hands and um, wasn't going to be three bet bluffing. The worst hand that that he could have had was jacks, um, but uh, but certainly it was jacks, queens, kings, or aces. Okay, Sean, I'm sitting. I'm under the gun at a table where a guy in the uh, nine seat. I'm in the five seat. The guy in the nine seat has raised fifteen or twenty. It's two five, no limit. He's raised fifteen or twenty every hand. Maybe maybe. 96% of the hands. Right. So I looked down at a, at a pretty good starting hand and limp in. I figure he's going to raise. And the whole table limps in the whole Nobody raises. There's a heavy-duty guy on my right named Lewis who's very difficult. But nobody raises. 
The flop comes ace five nine, maybe ace five eight, two hearts. So I check around to the to the aggressive players. Everybody checks. The aggressive guy bets twenty bucks. Lewis calls the twenty. I call the twenty. The turn is now the five of spades. So now there's two hearts, two spades, and two fives on the board. I check again. I think I've got the best hand, but I'm trying to figure out how to get some money out of it. The aggressive guy checks. Then the really aggressive guy bets 35 bucks. So I, I just smooth call him, and the other guy folds. The river does not make a flush. I check again. The aggressive guy bets 35 again. I'm pretty sure I've got him, so I decide to raise to 80, see if I can get a little more money. He makes it 365. Huh. I go all in for fourteen hundred. He takes a long time and calls me. What do you think I had? I think you have a boat. Yep. And I think he's got ace five. I th and that's exactly right. I had a boat. Aces full. I I had slow played the oh. aces. Right. It dumped in my lap, and he was slow playing ace five. So the only hand you're worried about there is the pocket fives. You could lose the quad fives, right? Yep. That's it. That's the only hand that can beat me. Yeah, that's beautiful. When people are piling in money, when you've got yeah. the potential nuts, I'm I'm sitting there with you know turning an aces full boat, thinking I'm not going to make fifteen cents out of this hand, <laughs> and then the guy all of a sudden makes it three sixty five. I was like, whoa, he's got a five. <laughs> all right, thankfully. So. And then, yeah, and then well, if he's getting you know, he's got the ace of the eight or nine, and then you know you're just you're just you're perfect. Yeah. You know? That's yep. exactly what you want. Otherwise, he's going away. That's for sure. Even with a five, some you know, if you go all in or I, I went all in and he called. He took a long time to call, but he did call. You. Yeah, crying call. He, he knew. Had me covered. I mean, the guy makes a lot of money down there, so you know, he shrugged it right off, and I'm sure he had the the, the money back within five hands. So <laughs> that's fun. I played very yeah, tight we... for the next half hour, so I wouldn't look like a, a you know a hit him and run player. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I that was it once that pot came in i was like i'm not giving any of this back fold <laughs> fold, fold 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 so nice hand. that can backfire pocket aces playing slowly you can backfire more often well, than so yeah it's certainly fine to do that on occasion but uh you have to know that you know the more people in the pot yeah uh, exactly. your likelihood of winning um, is going down and you, you you better make at least you know two pair or Free of a kind. Otherwise, someone's going to have, you know, six, seven offsuit and make a straight yeah. or something. Yeah, you definitely want to see an ace in that flop. Yeah. Okay, so I'm sitting in a tournament fairly late in the tournament. I look down at pocket kings. The guy on my left has uh, raised and been called. The third guy raises the first two guys. I look down at pocket kings. They all have me covered. I go all in, all in, all in, all in. So all four of us are all in. And I'm drawing dead. Wow. I can chop with a mid straight. <laughs> yeah, I would have. Yeah, it sounds like you got aces, ace king, and then what was the third hand? Ace king. Okay, perfect. Oh yeah, you, yeah, you are trying to. <laughs> Kings are dead. The straight to the Broadway's dead. Any flushes are dead. Even yeah. Jack Ten Nine doesn't do it. Somebody's going to have the ace king's going to have me beat. The guy with the aces isn't worried about any cards except for a straight. That's it. The, the only thing he's worried about is queen jack ten. That's the only hand he could be. He could win or, or or flushes. Or flushes, right. But I couldn't win a flush or a straight because I have kings and all the aces are out. 
any straight to the king is going to, the ace kings are going to beat me. I'm dead. And you so, can leave me alone with the deck and I can't, I can't make a hand out of this. So, so how yep. do you, how do you avoid, that's the absolute cardinal sin as a poker player, whether you're playing in tournaments or you're playing in a cash game where you're drawing dead. What's your expertise to, could tell us how you avoid that, Sean, because that's the worst, right? Uh, that's a bad situation for sure. Um, well, you pay attention to your opponents, play, how they play, how aggressive they play, how much they bet, when they bet, how, the frequency with which, with which they bet. And then, you know, you're, you're dealing with uh, incomplete information. So you're never going to be right all the time. But uh, kind of like that, what we talked about earlier with the ace-king suited, when people tell you they have a good hand and you, you have no reason not to believe them, then you might be in a situation where you, you are in dire straits, whether you're dead completely or not, um, you know, maybe not, but uh, yeah, you, you want to avoid those situations. So just pay attention to the hands that you're not in are probably, is probably the best advice I could give. Yeah. There's going to be certain situations that are, you know, unavoidable, like, like that kid flopping tens full of aces against aces full of tens. Right. There's nothing, there's nothing, no, no one in the world folds there. It's no. a, it, it can't happen. No, no. The only thing he could have done differently was, as we said earlier, Yeah, just just, just, just yeah, don't pile all your chips in when there's theoretically someone who could be, when you have the absolute nuts, you still don't want to do that because you want to get paid, but uh, yeah, you're not, you're not going to be folding anything. And Farhad really kind of reeled him in because Farhad raised, it was, I think 300 and Farhad made it 1300. That's not a gigantic raise. And the guy was like, I got him. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. So looking at Las Vegas, do you have a preference of where you play in Las Vegas? Sure. Um, yeah, sure I do. Uh, I do enjoy Aria, Venetian, and the win. That's that's where I play poker. Um, the World Series of Poker this year moved over to um, the Horseshoe, um, which used to be Bally's, but uh and now it's the horseshoe. It's next door to the Paris. And they, they did a fine job, but I wouldn't play there otherwise. Um, certainly the sort of the uh, atmosphere is not as good, but that's where the World Series of Poker events primarily were. But during that, during the summer, June and early July, there are so many poker players in Las Vegas that all of the casinos will have some sort of series of events. Um, so any of those casinos will have decent size events, large number of players in each and every day at those events. So the World Series of Poker has a boatload of events now. Is it, is it like a month long or six weeks long that this stuff is going on? Yeah, it's there? like six or seven weeks now. It basically starts on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, and then each day there are two numbered events and it goes all the way through mid-July. So it might be seven weeks at this point. Um, and then not only do they have these events where you can win bracelets, they have small smaller daily events um they have like three or four of those each day as well so yeah there's a lot of a lot of opportunity to play all hours of the day in, in las vegas no surprise i suppose and i have i guess they have tournaments where you can win seats into the bigger tournaments yeah they have those uh satellites you can do single table satellites or what are called mega satellites um, and that's kind of a fun little story so for the main event typically just before the main event there will be these mega satellites Basically, you can buy in for we'll we'll call the, this particular mega satellite we eleven hundred dollar buy in. The casino takes a hundred dollars off the top, and then a thousand goes to the prize pool. And you ha might have fifteen hundred players playing in this event, so the prize pool is going to be 
whatever that is, um, 1.5 million. And so yeah. at the end, basically one of every 10 players is going to get a seat in the main event or, and, or get the $10,000. You can get taken, you can get the $10,000, um, but that they of course want you to, um, to take that money and buy into the main event. Um, so those are fun tournaments. Um, uh, there have been years where I've played in three of those and one, won my seat and then, you know, basically uh, profited nine thousand on each on each of the other two, and so those are great events because the quality of play isn't isn't that high. Um, I yeah, played I in one. Of those. I played in one at Foxwoods for a uh, World Poker Tour event, and I and I ended up uh, winning a seat, but I was down to less than a small blind at one point. Got very yeah, lucky, a few hands, and, and then last. Yeah, I played in I played in a mega satellite oh it was at beau rivage down on the gulf and uh 550 mega satellite to get into the ten thousand dollar world poker tour southern poker championship this is probably 10 years ago i got all the way down they were going to give four seats away in this particular event um they we decided that with five left that whoever took fourth or whoever took fifth the other four would give them 125 dollars or something so they'd get their buy-in back but they wouldn't get a right. seat so I got all the way down. It was like four in the morning and I take, I go fifth. Oh. And I'm just devastated. Cause that's a really big event. I really wanted to play in that. Um, a woman named JJ Lou is a professional player. One of the top professional players in, in um, top money winners um, of women poker. And she, she, uh, she beat me fairly, you know, she fair and square on that particular hand. Nonetheless, I go to bed for like an hour or two, get up. They have another final one that morning, <laughs> uh, another $550. They're giving away one seat, which I won, <laughs> got into the event and ended up taking, um, it was like 18th or 17th out of about, I don't know, 300 players. So it was a nice little profit, but boy, was I exhausted that first, that day. Cause basically I was up all night and uh, was that close to getting in. And then somehow the gods worked in my favor and uh, I got in a second time. Well, you, you were, you weren't going to say, never say die. Never say die. It's all things possible again, right? That's right. no doubt. What what's the longest stretch you've played? As early as 10 a.m. till five, six in the morning. Um, I don't know if it's been longer than that. I don't think I've played all, I don't think I played 24 hours straight. <laughs> but uh I certainly have done that sort of thing where I have an early morning flight uh, and I just play right up until the last moment and then hop in the cab and try to make the flight. You know what we call that? A normal right. day for Billy Regan. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, get, I think I need to spend more time with Billy. He sounds like my kind of guy. I think you do your best work at night, Billy, right? That definitely. <clears throat> I was at a table up here one day, and the, somebody asked that question, you know, the longest stretch, and the guy said, I, I played uh, uh, 28 straight hours. Another guy said 36 straight hours. And the third guy was like, Jesus, we play play games in our neighborhood longer than that. So, <laughs> you know, I've I've always said if you were on a flight from New York to Australia and there was a no limit poker table on there, you wouldn't get up when the plane landed. Right. <laughs> so, what about online poker? Uh, have you ever done that? The legitimacy of that, etc. Um, I really don't do it right now. I subscribe to online training sites, um, so I'm online playing poker, but it's really not. Um, in competition i have done a little bit over the years and have had very little success in in actually 
taking money out of the sites. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's just a struggle. If you get it at all, it's it's hard. Um, I do have an account on uh, WSOP.com that I can play on when I'm in uh, Jersey or Michigan or Pennsylvania or or, or um, Nevada. But, you know, I, I don't live there, so I don't play in that that often. But, yeah, the legitimacy scares me. I've, as I said, I've just had uh, I've lost thousands of dollars on prior sites just because um, they go out of business. Black Friday, um, just a questionable business um, practices uh, where they wouldn't return the money. So people do it. and uh, some have had success. Certainly the quality of play is probably not that high, but uh I, I don't do much of it no interesting i really enjoy the thrill of tournaments you know getting to know some of the people at the tables catching up with old friends um, i definitely play some locally we have games every night um, that people that you can play in you know cash games and or tournaments uh locally but uh, and i do that but uh, again i like you know catching up with my poker buddies from around the country at, at these various venues and i like the thrill of the competition um you know try to win that trophy or bracelet or ring or, or whatever the case may be and the situations that develop that's the beauty the reward of, of of tournament poker especially when you play well and you know you gotta win enough of the coin flips right but to watch that field dwindle and then all of a sudden you're like in the money that's where it gets so much fun because you've it you know if you're a cash player a lot of cash players don't like to play in the tournaments because they can spend six hours and not get a nickel for it Right. or whatever yeah. but once you get through there you've played well and you're playing well and maybe they're getting hit with the deck now and then that's when it's that's when it's the most fun for me absolutely i just i really do i love that love that thrill i mean i guess i'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie it's kind of a, a way to get that without uh putting my life at risk yeah i agree i agree so if i rattle off the following names tell me which poker player you resemble or you would like to resemble most Patrick Antonius, Jennifer Harmon. I'd like to look like him. Jennifer Harmon, Antonio Espandiari, Phil Helmuth, Phil Ivey, or Doyle Brunson? Um, that's an easy one. It's Phil Ivey. He's the best player. He's the best player ever, I believe. Um, he's uh, he's well man. He's well mannered, um, mild mannered, um, makes the wise decisions. Um, you know, Doyle. You know, is who he was. Is who he was. I mean, he was. A leg, uh, a legend, uh, tremendous legacy. Um, Jennifer um, has had her ups and downs. Uh, Esfandiari has won some really big tournaments, but uh, I, I don't know that his resume would stand up to Phil Ivey's at all. Um, and then Phil Helmuth, um, you know, he's obviously he, he's very successful. He has the most number of bracelets, um, World Series of Poker bracelets by far. Um, I've played with him a number of times. We actually went to college together. We're the exact same age, went to the same school from the same uh, state. And so we're, we're cordial. We're, you know, we're buddies, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily respect, uh, the way he, he plays poker and he berates people, people at the table. So, uh, I'm, I'm not even close to trying to resemble him. Does he play for his own money or is he bankrolled when he comes in there by some billionaire who just wants to say, I bankrolled Phil? How's he <laughs> it's definitely some of both. Uh, yeah, he, he definitely has backers, but he, you know, he plays with his own money. If, if he had, um, if it was all other people's money, he would play in the big buy-in events, but he doesn't play in most of the big buy-in events that like 
25k or or larger events it's rare for him to buy into those events did you ever come across in your travels Dewey, the gin player who then went on Unger. to win the world Stu Unger. Stu Unger, yeah, of course. no i think he had passed before i really got into uh into tournament poker he was so good at gin no one would play him anymore so he switched to poker and then he wins the world series twice and he was yeah. a little bit of a uh loose cannon for sure, but he was he was fearless. Yeah, I mean the stories I hear of him, he just he, it's like he could see through the cards. He 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 just knew what to do all the time. Um, yeah, but, uh, you think about Jim. They used to have there used to be world championships, then no one would play him anymore. No one in the world would play him at, at Jim. So you've brought to my mind, Billy. Uh, maybe you share the story where you met Benny Binion. Oh yeah. I met him at a uh, a boxing match out in Las Vegas. I ran Barkley was fighting Tommy Hearns, and a very good friend of mine was uh, Barkley's manager. And we had you know all kinds of money on 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 uh, Barkley to win. He was a big underdog, four and a half to one underdog. And when he won, me and my brother were jumping up and down on the seats cheering. And the guy behind us taps us on the shoulder and says, "How much did you have on him?" And we looked at each other and said, "Oh yeah, we bet him too." <laughs> So, so he's like, all right, tell me more. So we tell him, yeah, our, our, our buddy is his manager. We have a small piece of him. And he, he introduces himself as Benny Binion. I almost fell off my chair. No doubt. It was a year before he died. Big big cowboy hat on. It was, it was quite an experience talking to him for a few minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you remember that forever. That's That's exciting. Yeah. The remarkable part of that story is you were sitting in front of him. How did yeah. that happen? <laughs> well, because we had we had contacts. Yeah. There were probably 50 of us from, from my hometown and out there for that boxing match. And these guys were crazy. They weren't they weren't, you know, malicious, but they were they they were walking trouble, 50, you know, garrulous, happy, drinking, smoking, smoking people that I, were i thought i thought you were going to say that benny asked you how much money you had on the on the bout and you were going to say you know you had x and he said oh that's great you guys should be really happy you know i had 100x on that but yeah he probably, just, he probably did <laughs> he probably did but <clears throat> i had been uh you know we were there a few days so we were going from casino to casino and every time i wanted blackjack i wasn't playing poker yet yeah i was playing blackjack and roulette Every time I had a profit, I'd go to the sports book there and put it on in Barclays. So I ended up with uh, 1700 bucks on him at four and a half to one. The Please. great part was getting in the cab and going from casino to casino to casino to collect. <laughs> <laughs> Philly's first trip to Las Vegas, he brought $50, which meant a lot. I yeah. also made provisions for a friend of mine to send me 50 bucks the second day. So I would so I know I'd have money the second day. He didn't put it in his other pocket. He didn't trust his hands. No, no, it would have been gone in an hour. My my first trip to Vegas is when I I guess I was if, if I guess I was twenty one because I don't think you could ever gamble below twenty one. So I guess I had just turned twenty one with a buddy. I stayed at a hotel called the Mariner. That obviously that doesn't exist anymore. I, know, I couldn't even tell you where it was. But I remember being up all night playing blackjack i guess and i don't know what i won maybe a hundred dollars maybe two hundred dollars and i remember going back into the hotel room with each of those bills just throwing it up on the bed going oh my god i'm rich <laughs> i got a rude awakening my first night there we decided to go from uh, the las vegas hilton to circus circus 
and we get in the cab and we're going to Circus Circus and I see a diner with a gigantic neon sign, biscuits and gravy, 25 cents. And I went like, oh my God, now I get it. <laughs> Hopefully great. I'll get through this without having to have biscuits and gravy for a quarter, but you know, wow. This is great. Well, you got a hand that you want to end this uh, discussion with a good beat or a bad beat that uh, you, you take with you in your pocket full experiences. I alluded to it, um, the tournament earlier. So I, I'm, qualified or satellite into the uh, Southern Poker Championship down at the Beau Rivage, I guess two hands. So uh, the very first hand of the tournament, a gentleman who had just won the preceding tournament the day before, he won like 60000 or $80,000. Um, you know, he was high on life and, you know, thought he could, you know, he was going to do well in this tournament, of course. And uh, so I pick up aces, he has kings. So the very first hand of the tournament, I double up stack him and he's gone so i had chips the entire time I ended up seventh after the first day and really was you know it was, just, it was i was ecstatic until i spent some time at the table when we were getting late on the second day with a gentleman who was a pro out of florida and i don't recall his name exactly but clearly very talented player i run my kings into his aces um late on day two and i i do this the standard get up from the table until the river car becomes a king. And yeah. then I sit back, back down. Back on. And I, I was, that was probably the greatest, you know, at that time, the greatest poker experience. Cause this, you know, he was a really good player. It, it basically lectured me all day. And then I ended up stacking him with complete luck right at the end. And then I was able to parlay, parlay that into a nice finish the next day. Really good. Are you a talker or a listener? Uh, you, you, you spend a lot of time folding in tournaments what's your stance there? Do you just keep your low profile or do you mix in with the conversation so you can read people that way? Um, I, I do both. Um, I find that I become talkative when things are going well. So I am pretty reserved when I don't have a lot of chips or I lose a big hand, but uh, you know, you, you can probably, you can see my exhilaration um, with basically how frequent and how loud I speak. Um but that's not during the hand. That's that be that's between hands. You know, when I'm in a hand, uh, obviously that's different. But uh, I do like to I do like to uh, pay attention to what others are doing. Um, it it definitely pays off. Um, it's like having to listen to a guy who just made a birdie walk into the next tee. All of a sudden, he's happy. <laughs> right, right. I know that feeling as well. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. You yes, got sir. a pair. You got a pair of fours. Somebody uh, raises you, and you decide to call the raise. Flop comes, you ready? Yep. Gonna shoot. Flop comes four, four, ten. Let me see your face. <laughs> oh my God. It looked, it looked like you just got audited. <laughs> There's no show tunes there, right, Billy? I had a hand here at the Mohegan Sun against Teddy, who's a good friend of mine here. I flopped a set of sixes and I slow played it. The board was small, six, four, deuce. It turns out he flopped a set of fours and he's slow playing them, and uh, and a four hits the river. Oh my god! I bet like two hundred. I said, Teddy, I'm trying to tell you something. I bet two hundred. He goes, make it twelve hundred. I'm trying to tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do you really, really? And then you and then you paid him off and yeah, I had to pay him off. Of course, yes, <laughs> no doubt.
Well, Sean, this has been great. Uh, any parting thoughts here, Billy? Uh, just thank you so much for your time and, and you know, hearing about your, your the way you handle yourself at tournaments and getting back up when you get knocked down on the bubble. That's all good stuff to know. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's been delightful. I've enjoyed getting to spend this hour with, uh, with both of you. Um, look forward to catching up at some point. Um, hey, listen, if you ever decide to come up, I know you come up to Atlantic City, but if you want to come up further and play around the golf and wing foot with us, go on to Foxwoods or back down to Borgatum. I'm me down at Borgata too. I've been down there a bunch. I, I now I now have a, a friend who uh, who is dragging me up that direction. So uh, that could definitely uh, is is a possibility. And you are a golfer. Yes, sir. Okay, so you can take my money at the poker table. I'm going to try and take it back on the course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see. Thanks for joining Billy us Casper, today, Billy Horner. We really appreciate your indemnity. And please Arky. subscribe to Two the show. Adder. And hit Claude the bell Harmon. icon so you get notified Movie classics. new episodes. Mark Gable. Hit them hard. Job. And hit them off. That's 36 holes.